dun, dun. All right, everybody. I'm glad you're joining us today. This is our first podcast exclusive. This is just me and Austin. We're going to be talking for just a couple minutes about some of the stuff that we've seen out there in the Chia sphere. And we want to welcome everybody that has subscribed. Make sure you hit that like button whenever you are in your favorite podcasting application and also get notified whenever we release new episodes. So Austin, why don't you take it off? How have you been doing? Have you been blocking? Let me ask you that question up front. So my most recent blocks that I've hit um, actually was let me see really quick february 19th was my most recent block and then i think i also blocked a few days before that my time to win is about a month so i hit like two of them pretty back to back which is pretty pretty exciting actually um doesn't I it seem blocking. to happen like that though kind of the cluster effect the last ones i hit were cluster effect yeah i mean it's it's crazy because it's like three days after each other is when I blocked. And that happened back in September as well. Um, it was a back-to-back block. And then I blocked once in November, once in uh, December, and then twice in February. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy just, you know, looking at my time to win and then expanding, um, you know, the time horizon. It pretty much levels out to to what my estimated time to win is. Um but you right are now a I curve have... farmer is what I call people that are inside that that nice little bell curve of distribution. Yeah, it's it like it feels good, but part of me thinks I'm like, okay, well, should I strategize pooling and soloing? Like, okay, if I haven't won a block in one or two months, do I go off the pool and play my luck for, you know, like until I block next, right? Um so I like I always think about doing that, but then you know, I, I, I pool with space pool and I'm not sure. I think they have like a, a, a loyalty program with their fees where, you know, if you have a, like, I think it's called their tenure discount. And depending on how many days you're like, you've been pooling with them, your fee gets decreased. Now their fees only 1%. And so for my tenure discount, I get 0.05% off of that. So currently my total fee is 0.92%. And the longer I'm on like the, the, right. The greater the, 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 uh, the cool thing about it being percent based also is like the price of chia essentially. So like yeah. a percent right now is like very. Uh, it's not like it's a nothing. percent at two fifty or five hundred or yeah. something like that. Exactly, and so and so I'm like, okay, well, I mean, like the fee isn't that much. I'm getting consistent payouts, but but I yeah, think you should do it. Yeah, I might play the luck, but I need to pool for longer so that my luck goes down a bit. And then once it's been like a significant time period outside of my, my, my luck, then, then I'll think I'll, I'll try soloing and we'll see what happens. Now, have you done the 1.3 update for your farm? I have. I have done the 1.3. Um, and the reason why is because I felt pretty comfortable with 1.3 or with the beta. I was running that on like an old Mac that I had. I wasn't farming on it, but it felt stable enough to where I'm like, okay, yeah, I can try uh, try this on my on my main rig. I have not updated the database yet. Um, okay. And, but I... I do want to do that, but I think I want to wait until the next release of the GUI comes out because I don't really need the space right now. You know, it's only about like, I think 30 to 40 gigabytes that I'm saving. It's not really um, super meaningful that I update it. And you know, like, if it isn't run broke, fine, not fixing it is something that is very yeah. valuable in IT related tasks. So that, that, that rings true. I always ask people whenever they've messed up something software wise, why did you do that? And it's like, 
I just was trying to mess with it and do something. Yeah. So th- that's probably a smart call. I didn't have any problems updating the Windows machine that I'm mm-hmm. on. I don't use that as my farming rig, but at the same time, the farming rig is going to have to be updated a little bit later after the fact. Macanaris, Guy Davis, working on those updates, having a lot of uh, things go on there, it seems like. So I'll probably do a fresh reinstall. I do have the copy of the database, though, already synced up. So that's nice. I can just transfer that over and be pretty much up and going pretty quick. The database was, you know, I think there it wasn't that difficult. I think I've seen a lot of people ask about the V2 wallet. And it's like, I just went ahead and connected mine because it was created in there. So I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and connect it in the config.yaml. And I think I covered that in the video also. And the only other thing that I've seen is a couple people reporting that if they had switched around before from pool to solo, Mm -hmm. that they were seeing some weird reconnection issues. That was Josh from uh, the Catmos project. Yep. And, uh, I, I got him to give me a script that he wrote, or it's not really a script. It's kind of a couple of steps and you can go through that. That's on the website. And that was what he used to get a clean regeneration of his wallets. And if you go to the Chia section under cryptos there, you'll see that is the top link right now. And he used that, was able to reconnect to space pool and be farming again without any weird reconnection messages mm. or anything like that. Very interesting. So I do want to know, have you blocked in a while? What's, what's been, um, no, it's What's been, been a vibe? while. It's been a while for me. And, and so that, how big is your farm? Um, and are you pooling or are you solo? And tell me more. At, at the moment, I am solo. I am pr- right under 500 Tibby Bites, but there is something major in the works. And I can't divulge all of it because that would ruin the YouTube videos if I divulged all of it. But there <laughs> is something very big in the works. I have a YouTube subscriber that is very lucky. I'll just tell you this. I had him pick from a slot of nine wallets, nine different key sets. I had him pick out a lucky set for me today. Now you might know this person. Gip is what he goes by. He has won like, mm. I, he won like the competition with me. He won the yes. competition with uh, another YouTuber. Yeah, He has a lucky streak that is unmistakably like just a sign that this man walks on gold. So I had him pick how me often a lucky does he block? Pair. Huh? So how often does he block? All the time. He is like so freaking lucky. And so he's, I I was like, I want him to blow on the dice. So I got nine keys out. I said, which one? He picked a number. That's the number of the new key set. I will be replotting. So there actually, I did go ahead and I just, I, I destroyed the videos like that. Now there's. You know what, though? This is what you get. You get this kind of inside information <laughs> when you are on the podcast. So this is all the reason that you should be making sure that you have subscribed because this is the kind of stuff. So I will be replotting. I have divided up also the farm into two different segments. So I have isolated all of my SMR drives in one twenty-four bay, and I've got the high-performance drives in another. So those can grow independently of each other. I'm going to start off by replotting the SMR drives. The SMR drives is roughly 180 Tibby bytes. The remainder is about 300-ish Tibby bytes that I've got. So then I've got a bunch of other drives that I have to figure out where to stick them because I don't have a spot for them. And I mm-hmm. don't want to turn on the MD-1000 unless I get like seven other drives. So that, but I mean, that that's problems and plotting that I've got to overcome. But I should be writing somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 22 Tibby bytes a day. So that should get me through the process pretty darn quick when I get up and running. I have been working on the image uh, with 
a, a KVM container. So that's in Proxmox. So I can just spool that up automatically on all the different Proxmox cluster rigs. And I've got 180 different CPUs that I can throw at processing to grow this out. The other thing that has me wanting to wait, though, is the storage AMA. Did you catch up on the storage AMA? Um, I listened to some of it. I, I, I tuned in at the end because I was a little bit late. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely really interesting. Um, it's on my list of things to watch. But The but play yeah, so, bits part of it is really what had me. Like, did you yeah. catch that part? I think where you have, I think it's maybe less memory that you need. You have, so you've got a, a couple things. You've got less memory and you have non-dropped. So they kind of truncate and drop some of the matches inside the way that Mad Max had done it in the past and the way Bladebit had done it in the past. This latest revision is going to have basically a full set of all of the hashes that are generated in there. So that is, in my estimation, a little bit higher quality of a plot. I think this might, and so the original Chiapas, the OG plotter, that did not truncate those entries either. And so that's where you saw the file sizes be a little bit more variable in, you know, their space, their, yeah. the size that they actually yeah, required actually, with yeah. that OG plotter versus with Mad Max. So I think that I am very excited about that. I am going to check out the alpha build of it and I don't know if it's production ready. I don't know if it's safe to use either. But I know that Storage Jam talked about it. I know where to find it in the repo, and I know how to pull it down and build it. So I'm probably going to give it a go, see what kind of results I have. I hope that it generates some good valid plots because, boy, being able to go Mad Max and then buffer on the new SSDs that I got would be absolutely amazing because those SSDs are lightning fast, and they are just wow. Wow. But also the new way that it writes sequentially versus, I, you know, like random I.O., and so, like, if you're drawing a line, like, say you're going to draw a line and it's going to be this long, like, it's fast to, like, put the pin down and, like, draw it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, random I.O. is, like, you're making a bunch of dots all over the place to fill in the line. Got so, it. like, okay. much less write intensity as far as write amplification yeah. on the SSDs when you do that. So that'll be a very much more sequential process. I think that is going to be... A faster process by orders of magnitude also. It wow. is really geared, if they can pull it off like they talked about being able to pull it off, to be a very, very fast plotting experience. Okay, so for the people that don't know, like me, so there's differences in the plot file per se, but yes. like if you're plotting with the original uh, plot POS, I think is is like what it's called, and then... Chia Paws. Chia Paws, and yes. then... Um, between Mad Max and Bladebit. So yes. are there benefits or de- or like drawbacks to using one versus the other other than like just aside from the like maybe the efficiency or the amount of time that it takes to plot? Yes. So the actual characteristics of what is stored inside the plot file will be different slightly and so you're you're basically storing hashes and you're storing a bunch of pointers to those hashes that can be referenced and looked up really, really quick. So it's kind of like its own little encapsulated database kind of. Yeah. And it has a point to all of these billions of guesses. These guesses are each one unique hashes. So the unique hashes that it has in there, the way that Mad Max does it currently and the way that Bladebit does it currently, not the way the Chiapaz does it, is they drop a certain percentage of them. So if you notice in the phase, uh, I believe it's phase two, where it's like yep. matching and dropping. So yes. those ones that drop are actually truncated off there. 
So okay. the new implementation of BladeBit apparently will not do that. That's my understanding from what the presentation was. That has yeah. me excited that there could be a few more guesses in there. I don't know if that makes a better quality plot. My guess is that that was the 3% that Bram had talked about earlier, the difference between the Chia Paz plot and a Mad Max plot. That was like June or something like that that he talked about. It. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really interesting to maybe test, um, out mm-hmm. these different plots and see, you I know, cause I it. think, yeah. So I think that, you know, I think you can do the uh, Chia plot check and, um, and, and run that. I think it's the, no, no. How can you check if the plot is like so, really, really good? Okay. I put out that video and I've got to mm-hmm. say, I am sorry. I really wish I could take that video back. That video has spawned a lot of really just, uh, statistically inaccurate thinking about how plots are, mm-hmm. what plots are, and whether a plot is good. So mm-hmm. there's two problems with the Chia Plots check. First off, the Chia Plots check is going to be using a reference checking algorithm. This is not random. This is like a static thing. So it's going to always check the same hashes, essentially. So that is problem number one, is that you're inducing a specific type of error into the checking process that lowers what you would interpret as the quality of the results. Now, the bigger problem is actually that as you grow that out to a thousand, do a thousand, do a check on any plot yeah. that you might think is bad, do it a thousand times, and you're going to find that it's almost always going to approach one. It's going to always approach one. I've checked, I've checked tons of different plots, plots that originally on the surface appear bad. All of a sudden, work out good. So you could be discarding plots that are not bad at all. Now it does have one incredible benefit and that is it checks for invalid plots. Like the format is broken. This plot is broken. That is the thing that you should be using the Chia plot checker for checking the quality of plots does not. not exist. So then, okay. So there's no such thing as a, what is the quality of this plot? Well, okay. So now, now that's, that's a, different, <laughs> that's a different question. If you, yeah. if you want to, if you parse it down here, the quality of the plot could be if it has more hashes in it better. Mm. You know what I mean? Because that's more guesses. That's more potentials. Got so it. Okay. That is my assertion. Now, again, I'm not a mathematician that can prove this, but that's my understanding of it. And I work with smart people professionally and I've had some people look at some of this that that is their take on it is that you probably have a bunch of guesses and this probably increases those number of guesses because the number of hashes that are stored inside the file will actually be a larger number. So that's crazy. So one plot is just 106 or so gigabytes of just hash string. Dude, it's like a it's like a it's a hash table. It is like a huge hash table. That is crazy to yes. just think about that. So I mean, billions would, of them, billions yeah, so, of billions. So can you just count the character of you know what's in there? Like I guess the number of hashes and that could potentially you know determine quality. Like okay, well if there's more characters in there, then that means that there's more potential guesses. What do you think about that? So I think that what you're looking for is completed strings of hashes. And if there is a diagnostic that allows you to echo out what that number is, that would be awesome. And I'm going to actually ask that question to Storage Jam because he'll know and I won't. Yeah. Actually, he'll probably have to ask somebody uh, whether or not that exists. I don't know if he knows either. But somebody that is actually writing the software that creates plots, I bet you they have a diagnostic mode where they are actually seeing 
the number of hashes that are stored as a count number in a plot and getting that difference. That's my estimation of why Bram was able to say that there's probably a 3% difference. He probably knew the number of hashes stored in the original Chia Paws versus yep. a Mad Max plot. That is so interesting to me. Um, and I appreciate you you kind of walking through that with me because I think that in my head, I had known that the Chia plot check kind of did, like didn't fully check for quality, but it was still something that I'm like, okay, well, you know, if I change, I think it's the end parameter or something like that in the Chia plot check. Um, yeah, the number. Quite, yes, yes. So like if I change that, you know, it'll eventually get closer to zero and then it'll be fine. But yeah, okay. So that, that makes a lot of sense. That, right. Yeah. And so the first part that I said, maybe I should explain this again also. You're checking against a static, essentially, challenge. So those are static kind of challenges. Those are not randomly generated challenges. And in the real world, the Time Lord's generating random challenges. So, I mean, to say random. that the challenge is going to, like, that's a one-to-one that doesn't exist. The challenge in the real world versus the challenge in the Chia Plots check, they're in conforming, you know, space, but they're not actually the same numbers. So that's a difference that will be in the real world. So that's why looking at a number of 30 checks or 20 checks, I, I seriously wish I could take that video back. Yeah. <laughs> it's been integrated into software now. It's like all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, I've tried to explain it to people like, that's not what's going on here. Uh, and Imlo explained it to me because at first I didn't quite get it, but he was like, no, 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 no. Like, this is a static reference check. This is what we're looking at. Like, as the number grows that you're checking against, it's almost always going to approach, like, a one. Yeah. And he's he's right. Like, it takes a long time to do a thousand checks, but he's right. It always approaches one. And that's... Yeah. yeah. So then, so then in theory, then, someone could build something that instead of... Um, like, instead of producing and checking the plot on the same challenge, generating a random challenge? Or is that something that only probably the Chia team could do because they know how the, the the challenges are randomly generated? So, I mean, you, all be you need is the Time Lord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All you need is a Time Lord to generate random challenges. I think you can run in simulator mode um, mm. to do that also. But I, I don't know that That's interesting. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but I think there is a simulator mode. So I think you can just set up your own Time Lord, run in simulator mode, and then do some diagnostic stuff. I'm not exactly sure. I've never taken the time to F around with it, but maybe I should sometime. That would be really cool. That would be really cool. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. things are time sinks, though. And then at I the know. End of the day, you're like, what the hell did I do that for? You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, it could be a good learning experience. I mean, I know nothing about it. I, I would have a hard time figuring all of that out, but. Oh, there's a good chance I'll have a hard time figuring it out. Also, Don't (laughs) don't think that like it may look easy, but I think 50, 75 percent of the stuff is on the cutting room floor. You know what they say? So Mm -hmm. it's it's never as easy as it probably comes across on the screen. Yeah. So I guess going back to your whole plotting. So you should probably be able to replot all 500 Tebby bytes or 550 in probably about like 25 or so days. Right. You know, have you timelined it out or no? You know, <laughs> uh, it's it should be about 20 days, 25 nice. days. Uh, if I look at what I might be able to do, if I get the... So I've been playing around also and plotting on the 5950X. Mm. So if I can integrate the 5950X, I can shorten it down to probably like 17 days to 18 days. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to do that because then that kind of like plotting at the same time you're trying to do video editing and eh, it's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, you could limit the threads, um, but I mean, 
yeah, it's it's just it's just up to you. I mean, on like on my computer, if like I cannot play games in plot for sure. Um, and I have a 3950X. Um, so do you do you like overclock a lot of your CPUs and your RAM when you're plotting or do you kind of leave it on stock because you don't want to like, you know, go too so crazy? So the servers, no, I don't overclock them at all because they're servers and mm-hmm. you could take a server Xenon chipset in some instances and put it into some like other motherboards that are not like a Dell or an HP and be able mm-hmm. to overclock them. Uh, but they're built to run in a certain fashion. So they you don't want to mess with that. They just stay there. They run. They're within their parameters always. They never have problems and they never, you know, give me issues. As far as the desktop, I just have DOCP mode enabled on it right now. I would love to get into overclocking it more, but I mean, I think I'm at 4.3 with just like DOCP mode. Uh, it automatically pushed the RAM up to 3600 and it's stable there. So I don't know. I guess I could probably squeeze another four or five percent out of it, maybe ten percent if I was really lucky and I really had a good uh, water cooler on it. I am planning on racking it up, putting it into like the, my entire desktop will be virtualized again, so it'll be just another Proxmox machine host. But at the same time, I don't want to get too far into the degradation of video editing. So even that will be subject to me testing immediately after I do it to make sure that I can still video edit. Yeah. Because I, when I started out, I was editing on a four core i5. Oh, wow. <laughs> whoa. Talk about really long times. Like oh, processing yeah. a video would take like hours. It takes like a couple of minutes now. Like five minutes is the max. Yes. Uh, it would take hours. <laughs> I cannot get back into that. That is an efficiency yeah. killer because I spend two hours max, tried to spend two hours max per day doing mm-hmm. video stuff. So that's – if you're spending an hour processing and then, you know, at the end of it, it crashes or something, I you got to have stability. So I also don't yeah. want to compromise stability. You know, that, that definitely makes sense. I, like I – um for my rig, I overclocked pretty much everything that I could relating to plotting because I only have one PC and I have a whole bunch of plots, um, like at least when I was first starting to plot. And by, you know, just, just enabling XMP mode on my RAM and by, um, just going into the Ryzen master and, and, uh, uh going into the auto overclock, I think I was able to actually get about 10%, um, uh, more, more speed like out of the plot making just for Mad Max. Um, so for me, it was definitely worth it because, you know, I'd rather have my computer running for a shorter like amount of time, um, you know, with my electricity costs and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so like it, like it might be worth it depending on your situation, but you know, if you don't want to push it, you know, you, I, you, I will tell you, you really this. Don't need so to. I was plotting on the windows desktop here just to see what kind of, cause I was just curious. I was like, yep. I put in the, the 900 P the Intel new uh, SSD. I was only able to fit one in on this motherboard. I've got another motherboard. I've got a whole like mm-hmm. another computer setup that I need to migrate this to. I just have to plan everything out. Cause I can't just like tear it down. Mm-hmm. And it's stupid running a YouTube channel is stupid sometimes. Um, <laughs> But like the, I've got to say the 900P is a great plotting. It's just great. Is it a 900P or a 905P? I think it's a 900P. And that's an Uh, enterprise SSD, right? It's like a prosumer, I think. I don't know if it's necessarily enterprise, but it is like right there on enterprise's doorsteps. I got the NVM, like the PCIe format for it. So how much did you get it for? Uh, I got it for like 200 bucks. It shipped from Australia and it took a really long time, but it's the big version. It's no the 480 way. gigabyte version. 
Wow. And that thing is fast. It has like less than a, a nanosecond random IO. That is insanely fast. Wow. Yeah. So, so the way that I understand SSD, so I have a Sabrent two terabyte, um, I think it's a Sabrent four plus, I think Mm -hmm. has about 7,000 IO, uh, IOPS, IOPS. Um, and the TDW, I mean, that's, that's already at 0%. So when I go into my uh, crystal disc info, it's like, it's going to die. Um, I don't have any, no, 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 no. That's not necessarily what TBW just means. When it dies, they're not going to give you a warranty coverage on it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's literally just to cover the manufacturer's butts. Yeah. Uh, as far as bearing a SSD and just mining past that time frame, no problem. Lots mm. of people have like 2X or 3X or 4X their SSDs. As a matter of fact, Food has like doubled or tripled his SSDs TBW. Wow. Okay, so, so that's that's really good to know. That kind of makes me feel a little bit safer because I think I and saw what about size is it? Can I ask that? Two terabyte. Okay, so and the other thing is, if you get a one terabyte or a two terabyte, it's less. You, uh, well, no, it's actually more the TBW, but Correct. also yeah, the yeah. quality of components that goes into the higher quality ones. Usually, you have a few more reserve NAND blocks. Like if you start to see failed NAND blocks, that's a good indicator that you've got a problem creeping up. Uh, like I would, you know, every now and then run crystal disc on it. And when you start to see that you've got some sectors that are not reallocate, then Mm -hmm. I would be a little concerned and I would be like, okay, maybe I put this to some secondary use at this point. But Mm -hmm. even after it's done, you know, chia plotting, you can have that as like a desktop drive easily for a very long time or a media drive. As long as you've got a backup, always have a backup, of course, but like it could be a nice high performance media store if you're into photography or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like. I have two of those, and I think I like I was able to get my fastest plot time to twenty nine minutes. Um, is so, that on it? What, what what processor is it? Um, it is a um, thirty nine fifty X. That's a good processor, though. I like that. That is a yeah. Good I think processor. it's the sixteen core. Um, mm-hmm. And so was that using Mad Max, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you remember how many buckets you were using? I was using. Um, I can pull it up really quickly. Um, Cause I had like a whole spreadsheet to like track pretty much everything that um, was going on with it. Cause I'm like, okay, well how can I get the fastest thing? Like I, like I need to test this and that. Um, yeah. And you want to do that folks. If you're, if you're plotting, you want to do that when you go in, do some quadrant testing, find the best settings because dialing it in, even if you're saving a minute or two here, will save you by the time you're done plotting hours or days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was 256 buckets. 256? Yeah, that's like default. So 256, 256. Did yeah. you use the K? Did you use one or two for the K? Do you remember? Um, they may not have even had that setting. I don't think they did. Yeah. They did not. Wait, so was that the the um, increased threads for phase two? Yes. So I did put two, but I mean, whether I did one or two, I got the same results pretty much. So That's what yeah. I saw also when I was plotting. That's why I yep. was interested in your results, but it didn't seem like I saw very much. Yes. All right, everybody. So we hope that you've enjoyed this quick episode and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next time. Everybody, make sure you hit that like and that subscribe button on that podcast because this is the Digital Space Cast with Austin Brunschwager. Brunschwager. Braunschweiger. There you go. It's, with Austin it's a very tough one. <laughs> so this is the Digital Space Cast with Austin Braunschweiger and Jared Moore, Digital Spaceport. And we are checking out and we will see you guys next time. All right, sweet.
Sweet. Also, how